Stranger Things 3, Chapter 1, Susie, Do You Copy, is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler. Happy Stranger Things Day to you and to my co-host, Mike Bloom. Mike, it's here. Josh, we need to have a talk about boundaries. Yes, we do. We do have to have a talk about boundaries. Uh, boundaries between uh, people and relationships, boundaries between the real world and the upside down, which mm-hmm. may or may not be being tested uh, literally in the case of Russia, I uh, guess. Romantic boundaries that Steve Harrington has unwittingly put up between himself and literally anybody that interacts with him. Yeah, what's up with that? Like, I mean, he's off his game, man. You know, he's, uh, well, I'm telling you, the Raggedy Andy thing is really weighing him down. But as, apparently, it's uh, not just the hat, it's not just the hat, but the hat is not helping. No, it certainly isn't. It is cheapening his biggest asset, which is his mind. I was going to say the hair. Oh, it's, it's the hair. It's the, the hair. Mind, it's but... the hair. It's the hair on top of the mind. The hair protects the mind. Uh, Mike, Stranger Things is out in the universe. The yeah. entire uh, third season of Netflix is Stranger Things. This is our second podcast, however, about Stranger Things. We've already come your way with a preview podcast. In the preview podcast, if you did not listen to that podcast, hey, you missed out on some hijinks. There were the jinx were at a very high. They were very high jinx. Uh, the the jinx will probably be fairly high as well as we go through this podcast talking about the first episode of Stranger Things three. In the preview podcast, we announced that we are going to Mike and I are going to be talking about every single episode of Stranger Things season three. We are going to be going through it on an episode by episode basis. This is your episode one podcast on the day of the release of Stranger Things coming your way July 4th, 2019. Here is the release schedule if you have not already jotted it down for the future podcasts. We are going to be bringing you our episode two podcast on July 5th. On episode three, that will be July 8th. Uh, Episode uh, four will be July 10th. Episode five, July 12th. Episode six, July 15th. Episode seven, July 17th. Episode eight, July 19th with a feedback special on July 24th. As we mentioned during the preview podcast, we are broadcasting from the upside down. Service is bad. Yeah, you know, we have our Cerebro up, but we are putting out a lot of calls that haven't been been received back. We're not getting much back. Uh, we we have a, a, a small network of rats that are ferreting messages. No, uh, they don't have a big life expectancy when it comes to delivering messages. Yes, for some reason, we are, we do not seem to be getting the feedback. It's like something has happened to the rats I, in I transit. Love, <laughs> I love watching these episodes with you as well, since we're in the room watching it, because I just loved you giggling to when the rats are exploding. I just went, oh God, oh Jesus. <laughs> exploding rats. Yeah, Mike had a great reaction to the exploding rats. It was really, really fun to watch. Uh, so we, we are going to have a feedback special. We will not be taking your feedback along the way here but please we do want your feedback for the feedback special so a few ways that you can get that in post show recaps.com slash feedback is our feedback form we would love it if you could just put in the ep- uh, in the subject line which episode you're talking about that'll a help us sort things out and b prevent anybody uh, on our side on the post-production side from getting spoiled uh you could also tweet at post show recaps at post show recaps is our twitter handle uh, you can tweet to Mike on Twitter. He is at a Mike Bloom type. I am at Round Howard. Uh, we would love to get your feedback for that final feedback show. And of course, we would love it if you would subscribe to Poster Recaps. That is the way that you will make sure that you have not missed a thing here on our Stranger Things coverage. However, you subscribe to Post Show Recaps, the main feed, uh, Stranger Things feed, postshowrecaps.com slash Stranger Things is the way to get all of our Stranger Things 
takes. Now, if someone wants to subscribe so that every time a podcast comes up, they get goosebumps on their neck. I know. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, some people may just have that skill uh, that they that they know that a podcast is coming. And so they get the goose flesh. I'm assuming R.L. Stein. Yeah, R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein is probably uh, the only person who can say that without threatening uh, get the threat of getting sued. Mm. Uh, so he, he's got the Goosebumps podcast. Well, does Goosebumps have a podcast? They really ought to. They, it doesn't. They should. I think they Let's do they, a quick search. If on they that. turn into like a serial type of thing where it was like a different story every mm-hmm. week, different spooky story. I feel like that could be some good stuff to cash in on. Let's see. Goosebumps podcast. Do you exist? And if not, uh, there's Welcome to Deadcast. That seems like a Goosebumps, Goosebumps okay. podcast. Uh, I, I feel like the Goosebumps podcast, the official Goosebumps podcast, if we ever run out of ideas, Mike, uh, could be could be a fun one for us to do. I think so. I feel like a lot is going to have to happen for us to like plummet to the depths of doing like the full Goosebumps uh, would it be a re-read? Read? Be like a first read on some of these books for me. I think, and what would need to happen is like a, a Starcourt Mall-esque blackout where all the TV in all the world has just been wiped from existence. Yes, the Twilight Zone uh, outcome where uh, we've got nothing but time and books on our hands, but then my glasses oh, break, no. except it's for TV. And then I'll read the books to you, except I lose my voice. So yes, you lose your voice. Yeah. Did you ever have an experience? I was very triggered when the lights went off in the mall because I had a pretty harrowing experience. I haven't had the light. I mean, I haven't had a blackout like that happened but i have had the situation where i've been in a movie theater and the movie got derailed oh, right. uh it, it happened to me uh twice recently at the really? same theater which i won't name uh i won't shame them publicly on this podcast but it happened to me twice at a theater that i otherwise love uh in in short order with um uh what, what's the, uh, the the oh gosh i'm forgetting the name of the, the big sick the big oh, sick happened oh. with the big sick uh, and uh, shortly thereafter, followed by Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh no! Uh, and I was very upset in both in both scenarios. I had an instance where it wasn't the movie derailing; it was the pre-show derailing. I'll never forget it. I went to go see Apocalypto. Ooh, uh, bad choice. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight. I feel like that's not a movie that's really up your alley. I I don't know. I was you don't strike me as the Apocalypto guy. Yeah, I, guess. I mean, I'm not a big uh, Mel head. Yeah, Mel you're not. Mate. You're not a Mel man. I'm not a mailman, yeah. but uh, basically, so they do a little bit of like, you know, the pre-show before they started doing these like pre-show movie things. Yeah. They just started looping uh, music in. And I remember one of the things that Crown Cinema did was they played, you know, random songs that are like, oh, this is when Jersey Boys was popular on Broadway. So they said, here's a hit song for the new show, Jersey Boys. And they played Walk Like a Man. But the pre-show loop got stuck. Oh. So I heard Walk Like a Man. 50 times. <laughs> so when you go to hell, Mike, Walk Like a Man is going to be repeating forever on a loop. It's going to be John Lloyd Young singing Walk Like a Man on loop while I'm watching Apocalypse Now. <laughs> oh, man. I hope the Survivor Devil isn't listening because he's got ideas for your next yep. uh, your next meeting <laughs> together. Maybe the Stranger Things Devil uh, is, is listening. Apocalypto. So we know the Forever Clock is very useful in the Apocalypse. Is the Forever Clock useful in Apocalypto? Uh, Probably I mean- not. I mean, I wish you could make me forget. I may need the slammer to my yeah, head to yeah, make me forget make Apocalypto. Forget. All right. So episode one of Stranger Things 3 is in the books. We are talking in light spoiler detail as it stands. Let's get into full spoiler detail. So at this point, you have not watched the first episode of Stranger Things season three. Go watch that. Then listen to this podcast. Mike and I have not seen past this point. Mm-mm. So our analysis, our conversation, all of that is going to be informed solely by episode one. We are doing this on an episode by episode basis all that being said mike bloom first episode of stranger things three in the books your thoughts it's tough because you know you sort of want to judge it on the robin-esque you rule or you suck scale right 
and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm which I believe stands at a at a zero on the rule and seven on the suck. Yeah, and I don't know if that was as of this episode a counter how yeah. much how many. How yeah, much, is that is that lifetime? Yeah, is that a lifetime O for seven? Because I, I think she might need multiple boards if Steve's continuing to be off on his game here. Yeah. So I, I'm I have the marker in my hand, and it's tough to see where to put it because I would say we haven't hit any like big momentous moments we did have the final scene of billy being you know dragged into the steelworks which we'll definitely talk about which i think informs one of the theories that i put out there might definitely be coming true here yes one of mike's preseason theories was that billy would not survive season three that's looking very good after yeah. this first He's episode from billy into bitly yes he's gonna get bit and something's gonna happen oh i thought that you meant that it was gonna be like a shortened uh, character arc, much like Bitly shortens links yes, on exactly. the internet. Exactly. A very, his very links, nerdy the internet the, joke. So the rest of the cast are going to be very shortened. So that there's oh my no God. preview post that's published. Well, the Bitly joke, I hope that killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly killed me. Uh, it's killing in the room. It's killing in You're the room. captive audience. Right oh now. my I don't God. Mean just because the door's closed. Oh my God. But um, it is, and we're so locked in here. I would say that, you know, it, I've always like fall in love with these characters. And so if you're going into character stuff, this this episode delivers in droves. Yes. And what I'm super sad, but super interested in is what the overall theme is of this season with our main characters, which I think is going to be growing apart. Uh, Ah, but I mean, from what I've been seeing and I think what, you know, the, the, the breadcrumbs of season two, where you see people start to pair off and sort of leave each other. These kids are become considerably older at this point, a lot of deeper voices, a lot of, you know, awkward, goofy bodies. Yeah. Poor Dustin's got braces, and I think he lost the teeth again. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I think that, you know, we had Will say it at the very, his last moment up on the hill. He tells Dustin, like, hey, you know what? Tomorrow maybe we'll play D&D or, you know, do something fun like we used we to. We haven't do. even seen any D&D yet. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to get that. But at the same time, I wonder if that's sort of emblematic of the fact that, you know, half, three quarters of your group is paired off. Clearly, they want to go off and snuggle and do other things. It seems like everyone sort of has now been sectioned off into their own parts where some are theoretically a part where they should be spending time together and it might not be the case, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I think that that's a really spot on analysis. I think that we're we're seeing certainly uh, Will seems like he's frustrated. There's the moment where they're all climbing the hill to to go and install Cerebro and talk to even Dustin allegedly has a girlfriend may or may not be from Canada. We, we have yet to we have yet to see how that's going to shake out. Uh, but we have we have that scene in when Mike and Eleven are, are you know, leaving They're They're bailing and Will's like it's been like this all summer. Like he's obviously really, really frustrated traded um so i can see that i can imagine the scenario where you know that's it's a it's a very normal part of growing up i'm very lucky that a lot of my friends from this like part of my life uh are the people that i'm still very very close friends with like i have a very very tight group of people from um from high school who i still keep in in very regular contact Mm with um but i think that that's not typically or at least it, it, I don't know if it's a, if it's a rarity, um, but I don't think that's like the, the, the classic norm for a lot of people. A lot of people outgrow their friends from this part of their lives. Uh, and it could be that we'll see t- some degree of that. I think that considering the the scope of the show, <laughs> these people are always going to be in each other's yeah. lives to some degree. And they've also faced a series of traumatic events that has like brought them together Unified in, them. in so many different ways. So I can imagine that it's going to happen. I think it's just a matter of like the romantic proclivities are separating them for now, you know, where Dustin and Mike are sort of like the fifth and sixth wheel on this very strange van. The to your point, Dustin has returned from camp as our camp correspondent. I would love to yes. hear from you sort of what your perspective is. Granted, we, we don't see 
the camp that Dustin goes to, we hear a lot of camp pers- nowhere uh, is yeah. is uh, what I what I saw on the the logo of the hat and the shirt that he was wearing, which does not feel like that would actually be a camp, uh, but may- maybe maybe horrible for advertising, very like. Uh, Laurel and Hardy esque, like I mean, like it feels like a camp from a comic book, and I guess it's a camp from a genre show, so it's fine, whatever. But you know, I was like, I was slightly like, eh, I don't know. And also, I I think that they're I, so so Dawn of the No Day of the Dead is the movie yes. that they're seeing in uh, in theaters in this episode, uh, which I believe is is a June release. Uh, if I'm if I'm remembering right, so I'm trying to like I'm trying to figure out exactly what part of the summer this is taking place in like has day of the dead been in theaters for a long time it's day, day of the dead released on july 19th 1985 okay all right so maybe but, I, but I don't feel like it because we're gonna see a fourth of july thing right so it's weird that uh maybe maybe not i mean i think that there was just like fireworks on the poster to signify that you know it's fourth of july as I, they're I'm releasing sure I heard mayor kevin klein say happy fourth of july so maybe, oh well maybe well, Time travel. Time travel, yes. Another thing, if you missed the preview podcast, is Mike has predicted time travel for season three of Stranger Things. So perhaps we will go back in time to a, a 4th of July uh, flashback or flash forward. Um, but as a camp correspondent, I, you know, I'd like to see nowhere. I'd like to find out a little bit more about that camp. Seems like uh, could be could be a fun place. I like the green. My summer camp green was one of our colors. So uh, made me feel pretty close to him. But we're getting a little bit lost in the weeds on that stuff. I think we should talk a little bit big picture before we drill down deeper uh, as we're kind of just looking at the shape of the episode and uh, some of the, the major headlines. Uh, the shape of the episode is a big old hammer and sickle. There's a, there's a, yeah, there's, there's a Russian uh, element now that is, that is like fully introduced here. Like we did like the, the, the down the hatch Desmond thing, except with Russia. Yeah, uh, your own kind of music playing in the Kremlin. Yeah, exactly. So Russia seems to be like doing experiments with the upside down. We don't know exactly what's going on with their like secret bunker that we see both in the beginning and the end of the episode but they are doing some kind of experiment there. Uh, there is some sort of menace that is existing already in Hawkins. Uh, it seems like it's been at least like, uh, you know, if not a full year since the events of season two, it's probably been about like eight months, nine yeah, months. I believe um, season, I mean, season two left off at the snowball, which is probably like winter 1984. And so now it's, we're in summer 1984. You know, several months after that. Uh, so, you know, some time has been, you know, has passed and who knows what's been percolating in, in Hawkins in that time. Something that's screwing with the magnets. But, but something's going on with the magnets. The power is out. We've got exploding rats all of a sudden and something's gotten a hold of Billy. Uh, so these are like sort of like the big picture supernaturals of, of the episode. Did you have any thoughts, any takeaways, any theories that are starting to develop in terms of what we saw in this one? I am so... I cannot believe that in all the cockamamie theories we came up with last time, we did not once mention the Russians. Yeah, the Russians never came up. I think it's because, you know... Is maybe, there a history of the Russians in this show already? So I'm trying to remember. I think uh, that there Dr. is, right? Brenner, he first started doing the experiments and really pushing Eleven's powers because he wanted her to snoop on Russian communications. Got it. Okay. And that's how she found the Upside Down and the Gate, and that's when he sort of pressed her further, and the rest was history. So it's interesting to figure out, you know, maybe the Russians did the same on their end to find out more about the gate. I mean, I guess you have to wonder, even though we did expand outwards to Chicago last time, how much we were going to explore Stranger Things globally. And it looks like with the cold open that we're going to the Cold War. Yeah, quite literally. I'm very intrigued by it, though, because it, it seems like they are willing to open it. They're doing like a, a weird 
I don't know, Josh. I thought for a second you put on an episode of Chernobyl. Uh-huh. Like five minutes. <laughs> no, I think you would have known. Chernobyl is fairly unmistakable. Not dead dogs. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. The animals. Well, there was a lot of dead animals in this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting to see them sort of build like a weird Stargate-like reactor to open up the gate. And we saw one of the vines from season two that represents the Mind Flayer, you know, go through. I wonder if the Russians are trying to, you know, we saw a military influence, certainly. In the opening, maybe it's something that they feel they can weaponize, which we certainly haven't seen yet on the show. You know, I feel like the exploration of the Upside Down has more so just been about, you know, exploring this new way, not necessarily weaponizing it. It'd be weird if we got the Russians to, like, take the mind, put the mind flare on their side. A Russian mind flare, uh, you know, correspondence. Yeah. It's not something I never thought I ever thought would be in the cards. Yeah, it's a little it's a little frightening. Uh, At the end of that cold open. Uh, one of the like the military guy, he has one of the scientists killed and he looks at the underling who he's like, basically, it's like, you've, you've been promoted, you know, like it's like that kind of mo- move. But he says you have one year. Why such a specific timetable? And when do you think that that scene takes place? Like, are, are, is the one year later? Is that like where we are now yeah, in the storyline? You think cold open? They gave us a nice little time date of June 2nd. June, June 28th, 1984. Okay, cool. So that's where we are now. So a year, we're, we're a year later Happy at this birthday. point. Uh, I'm alive at this point in the Stranger Things continuity. That's I'm exciting. Not even a thought. You're not even a thought yet. I am, uh, I think I'm, I'm a little bit over, uh, two, like two or three months. Three, oh, like, like a little past holiday. three months. I'm very, I'm, I'm a little older than your son at this point, yes. but not by much. Okay. So yeah, so it seems like, I don't know why I agree that they're doing these sort of summer check ins. Maybe it's something with like, the particular deities aligning to produce some sort of optimal gate thing. They probably know more than we do, uh, but it's so interesting, you know, in checking out some of this pre-season stuff, there was one particular uh, teaser trailer where, inter- I think it was the, the date release trailer, where interspersed, very Mr. Robot, actually, interspersed yeah. with cutting to, you know, the theme, was a bunch of computer text, where it had read something like, you know, uh, we're, we're yellow and blue meet in the West or, you know, silvercat.exe. And it turns out that those are coded phrases that Dustin overhears with Cerebro as okay. well. I don't know if we're looking at another Terry Ives, rainbow sunflower, three to the left, four to the right type of thing. That was, or, was that a season two that deal? That was a season two yep. thing. Um, so I'm not entirely sure if it's that coded or if it's just something that might come into the picture later on. But I think unlike us, uh, they're these are like the Winter Soldier activation codes. Exactly, right? oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Bucky Barnes, yeah, numbers. Bucky Barnes showing up here in uh, in season three what of Stranger if, Things would be exciting. What if, uh, Billy becomes Bucky. Oh Barnes. my God, Big, Billy as the Billy? <laughs> Billy as the Winter Soldier would be a very. I mean, he's kind of got the hair for it. I think so. Like, yeah, um, yeah and then he could. He uses his metal arm to smoke. Yeah, I like it. I love that the Russians are here. I think that this is this is fun. I think it's going to be, you know, it's it's gonna, who knows where the heck it's going to take us. I'd love to see uh, Philip and Elizabeth Jennings of the Americans show up here. I know that, the you know, that was a, a, a show that was created much later than the 80s, but it is set in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to to see them pop up to get the, the Carrie Russell uh, and Matthew Reese cameo, I would be I would be pretty happy about that. Um, the power outages. Mm. What's ha- What's happening here? We've got. Is this caused by the rats or the rats involved in the power outages? Yes. Why are the rats exploding? So what we saw is, believe it or not, Josh, a smoke monster. <laughs> yeah, I know there was a smoke monster. So I mean, it's not the first time we've seen a smoke monster on no, this show. I'm pretty sure the mind flare, the little tendrils that got into Will, was sort of smoke oriented, and yeah. you know, they definitely showed. You know, when they showed Doctor Owens, who 
sort of TBD on whether Paul Reiser will make an appearance here in this season. So far, no sign of him. We saw when they lit up sort of the stuff that was found around the pumpkin patches in season two, that sort of turned to ash. So we'll see exactly what that entails. We haven't seen any of it yet. I mean, I guess my sort of theory as to what's going on at this point is I keep going back to the John Carpenter homages that the Duffer brothers said they made with the season. And I think the probably the most prolific John Carpenter piece of work was The Thing, uh-huh. if I'm wrong. Yeah. Which was really a thing of a thing of, you know, someone is masquerading as something else. Yeah. And you have to sort of figure out who's an enemy in your midst. Speaking of, you know, Russians. I wonder if now the mind flayer, speaking of the smoke monster, has the ability to manifest itself into corporeal beings. And so to, so the rats would be the mind flayer? Like the rats are like I mean, influenced I mean, by I the mean, mind flayer? We saw that the mind flayer was able to, you know, control the demo dogs. It was a little bit of a, of, a, of a hive mind thing. Maybe we see that with the rats. But I wonder if we see that smoke once and we don't see it again for the rest of the season. Could it be that the smoke is able to like, much like with Will you know, be able to possess this little wisp that's left of the mind flare in our real world. We saw it run away when Will got the ever-living crap burned out of him in right. season two. Could it be that now he's able to, like, you know, represent people? And that one of the characters, maybe someone like Billy, could be the mind flare without us even realizing it. One of these days I'm going to find a loophole. Yeah, I'd, exactly. I'd love to see Titus well over here on, on Stranger Things. Uh, good theory. I like that theory. Uh, I mean, we certainly see that Will still is connected to whatever upside down shenanigans are starting to unfold. Like, you can imagine, like there was a good amount of goop in him. Right. Like you'd have to imagine there's still some sort of tenuous connection there. Yeah, I, it's it's fascinating to me, though, because he, he got so it, it seemed like in the season two finale that they had driven it out of him. Right. Like they do like this exorcism that basically like drives the mind flare out of him um but when everything is going down and the power outage happens and then the lights come back on and after we've seen like the tornado of what could be the mind flare or something like that um will gets the goose flesh like he has like the the hair on the back of his neck stand up and it happens again later on in the episode when he's climbing the hill with dustin and everybody so he's still connected to it um does that mean they didn't get it all out of him is he just like somehow like forever linked to this mm-hmm. thing i i guess i like that at the very least because I think around the time, if I'm remembering when I, when I interviewed the Duffer brothers uh, shortly after season two, and I, I spoke with Sean Levy, executive producer as well, there seemed to be a little bit of a thought that they weren't going to put Will through his paces quite as harshly yeah, in I, season three. I believe they said something along the lines of like, Will's not going to get tortured again. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't want to see him get tortured. Uh, other than like, I think that it's it seems like he's not easily sitting alongside his peers, which is, yeah. you know, tragically relatable. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, but I, I like the idea that maybe he's still will the wise. Maybe he still has sort of like, you know, maybe he's still the wizard of the group. Maybe there is mm-hmm. still sort of that like supernatural connection that he might have. And plus, I mean, you made a nice point when we were watching it. He got the goose pimples on his back, of his back, back, back of his neck. And you quoted from season two. He likes it cold. He likes it cold. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the mind player we know likes it cold. Yeah. And and so to see him like have like you know the physical sensation of what happens when you get cold really does seem to 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 link those two things. I, I would say mind flare bad strategy to come out during the summer then like you're yeah. gonna be looking for AC stat. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You're gonna have you're gonna have a uh, you're gonna have to go to like expensive lodging the mind flare <laughs> or just get in the pool and hang out there the entire time. Well, maybe that's what's gonna happen because the episode ends and Billy is dragged away. Uh, and we don't know what the heck is going to happen to to Billy. I'm sure we're going to find out in short order as we get into episode two. 
But you think that Billy could become like the new Mindflayer avatar or something like I that? I could very much see that. Uh, I think, first of all, I'm happy that of the three Billy scenes we saw this episode, this was the only one not in slow motion. Uh-huh. I felt like something was off on the screener that it was like, just everything was so lingering and languid. So I guess that's, I guess that's what flirtation is. What's happening? What's happening with him? And this is Wheeler. I, I feel so. I feel so bad. Dirty, dirty. Ted, I feel so bad for Ted Wheeler. This guy means so well. Like, yeah. Can you help it that he's a fuddy duddy? He's a little bit of a fuddy duddy. I don't know. We don't know him well enough to know one way or the other. Like I don't feel. I don't feel like I have a strong enough connection to Mister Wheeler to say that I like feel bad for him about this. I question mrs wheeler's taste in men deeply uh as she is uh embarking on this flirtation with billy that goes nowhere in this episode and then billy goes somewhere in yeah. this episode and it makes you wonder like what is the future of that storyline and i guess I'm, I'm excited about it in the sense that there's really never been a storyline for mrs wheeler other than like the brief flirtation with billy last year so maybe are we like on the start of like will we like drag her closer to the center of the storyline that could be exciting just to get like the, the the full wheeler family more firmly involved um but more than that like my feeling more than that right now is that like this is this is like the example of what i was talking to you about on the on the preview podcast of of the times where Stranger Things, nobody loves Stranger Things more than Stranger Things. You know what I mean? Like, there was, like, a a funny gag between Mrs. Wheeler and Billy at the end of season two. Yeah. And the response to that, rather than being like, we had a really funny moment, is, let's double down and, like, really go in on the Billy and Mrs. Wheeler storyline. To the point where it got to, like, softcore porn territory. I mean, it it wasn't quite there, but who knows what it could have been if, if, you know, she had chosen to, to meet him at the hotel and if he had made it there on time. So we have no idea where it's going, but it's just that that's like the that's like the justice for Barb becomes a storyline right. stuff for me. And I don't like when Stranger Things goes here. But on that note, though, and you pointed this out as well when we were talking, get a little bit of a Bob Newby cameo. Do you think that's partially similar to fan service as well? Yeah, I think so, too. I, and I love Sean Astin. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, Samwise Gamgee for life. You know, I'm a huge I'm a goonie myself. You know, so I've, I've got, you know, lifelong love and respect for Sean Astin. And I thought that they really did his character dirty in in season two. I think that the way that they wrote him out and the way that they killed him off, I thought was really kind of cheap. Um, but he's dead. Like, I don't know that we need to spend too much time on Bob. And I wonder, is it just going to be that one flashback that we see of, of, of Bob and Joyce watching cheers together? Or is this like the start of there's going to be a Bob newbie storyline? I don't think so. I would I hard to see. see. I mean, I could see it a couple other times where he's not, he's the Brenner, but in a different way. Yeah. Like he, he I think he's obviously still a specter in Joyce's life. Right. And I, I guess like six months have passed. Yeah, like so, I'm pretty yeah. sure Joyce's main storyline at this point, because God forbid something happens to Will, but I'm pretty sure her storyline this episode is like, in a very Sam and Diane way, are her and Hopper going to get together? Right. Yeah. And that they're clearly finally kind of like leaning on that. There's been like a little bit of the will they won't they element to them throughout the show, uh, you know, up to this point. But this has been the most explicit. I mean, Hopper asks her on a date. Yeah. You know, he says, you want to get dinner with me, like to help work on, you know, the speech that I have to give to to Will, to to Mike and, and Eleven. Um, and she turns him down and uh, a ops, nice plate of lasagna, a and, lasagna peas. and peas, a mountain of peas and a hunk of lasagna. 
which did not look terribly appetizing to me. My frozen lasagna strategy, because you've asked, of is uh, to just just to like 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 Sigourney Weaver says in Aliens, nuke the site from orbit. I like to I like to char the lasagna. I like to get mm. it real, real, real crispy, so it's almost unrecognizable. That that's how I like to treat uh, my red sauce frozen goods. Uh, so that's what I would. I, I thought that it was undercharred. Uh, the the Joyce lasagna. I mean, her story's a little undercharred as well. We have we have yet to put it in the microwave for a little bit and see exactly. I don't know how I feel about the Joyce and Hopper thing, just because I'm. And maybe this is going into your you know Stranger Things likes the smell of its own farts or smoke theory. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a little against you know. I'm a little bit of the will in this scenario of like why are we pairing everybody off? Yeah. You know, I want to see these characters just sort of exist as characters, and we've known Joyce and Hopper as two separate characters for so long. That I don't know if we need to match them yet, especially because first first episode Hopper was a little bit like a sitcom dad. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, I was laughing about it. I, I, you know, I love David Harbour and I think that he does such a great job as this character and having him like be in the situation where like, you know, he's still in like his cabin in the woods and Eleven mm-hmm. lives there and Mike is coming over and they're just like making out to 80s rock all the time. Mike is such a little shit. He really, he really was. He was a little brat. It was, it was really, it's really odd to just like watch these, you know, these kids like necking in, in private like it's just like it's just uncomfortable i feel creepy watching it like we've watched them grow up i know like the reaction to spoiler alert for game of thrones when we saw Arya stark right bed someone even though Maisie williams is of age right like people were saying when i grow up with you i have a certain like it just feels it just feels a little strange it just feels a little weird those are the stranger things i think it also like it it felt like uh it, it it feels weird in like the like like oh god it makes me feel like an awkward teen again like it does it does like so and i think that that's intended effect oh yeah i'm sure if someone put a camera on any of us you know making out with our girlfriends like we would admonish each other for our kissing techniques i would sue that person that would be very invasive and why did you why were you filming me well i mean considering what some of these other cast members are doing in terms of hitting cameras i mean who knows (laughs) let's not go there uh but yeah so hopper has he's not huge on what's happening with mike and and l and it's kind of funny but I, I at the at the same time, like they've all been through so much together and Hopper like kind of like having this big axe to grind against Mike and Mike being such a jerk to Hopper just feels like a little unnecessary to me in terms of a storyline. So we went from it was funny, but so we went from regular Mike in season one to emo Mike in season two to I think like wise ass. Right. The wise Mike, the wise ass. Yeah. Season three where, you know, he's trying to give this talk to the two of them and Mike's like, oh, I think we're in trouble. And then whispering in front of him like share with the rest of the class mike uh so i did feel a bit cathartic when you have a little bit of a goofy hopper to put poor nana wheelers in life in danger for yeah. a second to essentially there is in. nothing wrong with nana uh and that's the thing is that this is a side of hopper that we really haven't seen we've seen him be uncomfortable before and you have to wonder like he has been a parent before. You know, Sarah Hopper did not die when she was like one year old. Right. I think maybe now we're just getting to the age where he doesn't know how to deal with boys dating. Well, I think also he's got like the second chance at fatherhood. And he right, has a big theme from last season. That's why he was super protective of Eleven, much to the chagrin of their relationship. Right. Because, you know, he wanted to make sure he talked about this idea of the black hole that he didn't want to suck her in to. Right. Um, and so now we're sort of seeing, I think, the lighter side of that, which, again, seems like something you could see on like TGIF. A yeah, bit separate from what you might experience with Stranger Things as of the norm. It was a, it was a really great scene with with him. Like you know, he's been training all day to like say the right thing yeah. to the kids. 
like he's talked to Joyce and Joyce has given him the feedback on what he should say. And he gets to the moment and he just like, he can't say any of it, but it's because like Mike is like whispering in Elle's ear, like right in front of Hopper. It's just, it's, it's so funny. And like, like just the, like the, the body comedy, just the physical comedy uh, of David Harbour there. And just the look on Hopper's face. It was, it was priceless. I thought that was really great. I loved how malicious he was when he got in the car. Yeah, He he did say the grammar, but he was very much like, we're going to drive home. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you and you're going to listen. And, and maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll get to date my daughter. And his eyes are just perennially bugged out. He was actually very much channeling a, like a Michael Keaton Beetlejuice. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It was, re- it was really, really great. Um, so far from 11, you know, we see her use her powers a little bit for the, for the welcome home Dustin. Yeah, for Toy Story 4. Toy Story, <laughs> Toy Story 5, uh, the prequel to, to all the other Toy Story movies, uh, when Dustin comes home. But other than that, she's really just associated with Mike so far. Did you like that scene where Ultra Magnus and R2D2 and all the action figures are, are roaring to life and Dustin ends up, uh, hairspraying? Lucas in in the face. Is that Chekhov's hairspray? Is that hairspray coming back? I am surprised that, you know, we did have a lot of involvement with fire when it came to the vines. If the vines do come back, I could imagine a makeshift flamethrower with the torch and the Farrah Fawcett hairspray, because God knows Steve doesn't need it anymore. Yes. If you were Dustin, would you not suspect sooner that something was going on? Though I guess, like, anything can happen. So many strange things have happened in Hawkins, Indiana, that who knows? Yeah, though I do not appreciate that. Yeah, her friends, his friends were trying to throw him a surprise party, but like, don't shoot him with darts. Yeah, I feel he like a, he has a soft spot for darts. Yeah, it's, it's that's true. It's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe they, I don't know. Maybe it was a celebration of dart. <laughs> Just that, like a, a twenty-one gun salute to dart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twenty-one dart salute to dart. Speaking of Dustin, I guess let, let's talk about the eponymous Susie here. Yes. So, okay. So our uh, when <laughs> when we when we spoke in the preview podcast, we we planted our flags. Our our, our freak flags were flying. Uh, as we as we tried to predict what would happen in each episode of the season based only on the episode title. This episode is Susie, Do You Copy? Uh, Mike believed that Susie would be basically a red shirt, a background character, maybe somebody just for like a cold open yeah, I think who would I, embark on a job interview. Yeah, I split, I split my time between uh, a deputy at the Hawkins Police Department mm-hmm. and someone who's interviewing and then gets eaten at said job interview. Yes, and I, I thought that the title Susie Do You Copy was going to meant, uh, be a, a reference to the fact that Susie would be a woman who would be cloned, uh, who would become a clone at some point in this episode. It would it would appear that we are both wrong, although uh, we don't know if Susie is a clone or not, but Susie is, uh, is allegedly Dustin's girlfriend. Mm. Uh, everyone seems to be very surprised that Dustin has a girlfriend. Uh, we have yet to see Susie. We've seen neither hair nor hide from Susie. Uh, she is uh, try- They're trying to contact her on Cerebro. What we know about her is she went to summer camp mm-hmm. uh, with, with Dustin. She is, uh, she is a Mormon, super religious. Uh, the relationship between herself and Dustin is uh, all a bit Shakespearean. Yes, apparently. I'd like to know which Shakespearean work we're talking about. Is it a tragedy or a comedy? Yeah, well, comedies are also full of misunderstandings and miscommunications. So, so that would make that, sense. That would yeah. make sense that there are kind of ships in the night here. Uh, Susie, is she real? I would think that she's real because why would Dustin go through all this yeah. to not to, to reveal a fake person? I believe in Dustin at this point. Right? I, yeah, I, I Sirius has given us no reason to not believe in Dustin. I think uh, I believe in Doozy. We're being set up so that like we'll see Susie at the very end of the season, gonna and Nap- she's going to be everything he has said. It's going to be is. a Napoleon Dynamite thing where Kip has this relationship with LaFonda from online, and then right. at the very end of the movie, Bus is going to pull into Hawkins. Yeah, off comes Susie. 
played by I don't know Megan Fox. Yeah, and, and then more slow mo, more Billy esque slow mo, and then everyone's gonna say that's Susie. Yeah, and everyone's gonna be like, oh my god, and it's gonna be like, yeah, of course. Like the the Duffer Brothers love Dustin. They're not gonna leave him out in the wind. Speaking of Dustin, uh, Chekhov's electric hammer. I'm gonna play my five the slammer. Minutes. Yeah, I mean, there's the slammer is one of his creations, and it's like a vibrating hammer. Uh, yeah, which uh, Simpsons did it. Let me just say, sure, where, where Homer attempted to copy ah, Citizen, but the Simpsons haven't done it yet, That's Mike, true. because this is set in 1985. So I think this is just a theory that you know the great unifying theory for the Simpsons that Matt Groening himself is a time lord. I think that might okay. come into play here. Okay, he went back into 1985 and stole the idea seamlessly from Dustin. Or maybe Stranger Things isn't a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle prequel, and it's actually a Simpsons prequel. Oh man, if everyone starts turning yellow. Yeah. I think I think cool. We have our side. Listen, we see that there are rats on the show, but we do not have any uh, voiced by Splinter yet. No, no, nothing like that quite yet. Uh, the Slammer is the name of the hammer that Dustin has created. He's also created the Forever Clock, uh, very useful in the apocalypse, and it's just like a windmill. Yeah, it's a wind-powered clock, essentially. Like, it's not really a perpetual motion machine, but it's essentially a windmill that'll help power a clock. I mean, I think that both of those things will probably come into play because yeah. we've seen uh, we've seen a, you know, a power outage already. Like, you can imagine the scenario where full-scale power outage occurs again mm-hmm. uh, to, to more devastating effect. Um, I think you're right about the hammer. I think the hammer will probably kill, like, some sort of demodog or whatever the well, new and also is. his biggest invention which we see in this episode cerebro yes what i'm so intrigued by is that obviously it's named after the machine that of course professor xavier uses yes. to locate other mutants around the world i'm still stuck in this idea after seeing callie last season of are there more special children could that be a thing here could they somehow use cerebro to i don't know magnify some sort of frequency that 11 utilizes to communicate with fellow special kids to come together and take out whatever's coming to Hawkins. Yeah, I feel like that, that feels like a good theory to me. Um, I, I think that there, there's almost certainly going to be other powered people like Eleven and her sister that we've already seen. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time, whether that's a season three thing or a season four thing. Uh, maybe, you know, given the way that this show does seem to like react to reactions uh, with the unpopularity of the episode where, you know, we we saw the Chicago stuff go down. Um, will we go back to that? Well, like, will we do the superhero thing again on Stranger Things? I wonder. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh who else? Who else should we should we talk about? Max and Lucas, they're still going strong. They seem like they're doing great. Well, here's the thing is that you could very much tell. And again, uh, I've actually had a lot of resonances re- with this recently just because I feel like Lucas as a boyfriend was me in my first days as a husband uh-huh. in terms of like, you understand, like it's tough in those first. <laughs> oh, you got a new like, zit. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Being codependent. Yeah. Like, you need to think about, OK, how do I adapt from like thinking only about myself to also caring about one other person who exists in my daily life? Right. And so Lucas is still trying to fit to that. You know, he he pointed out Max's it. Like you said, he drank all the water and then gave her back some of his spit. That was so terrible. It's just like, dude, he he might have the least game out of all of them. Yeah, but they're funny. I like them together. I, I love Sadie Sink as Max. Uh, she, she's awesome. She's really great. I think hot take maybe of the kid actors. I think she's the best kid actor. I think she also is just like a really cool character. Yeah. As well. You know, she's like she's one to shoot the shit. She loves to. I don't know if she's still skateboarding. But like she seems someone who has the biggest, the coolest head 
around all these other dorks. And so that makes her just the de facto coolest person out of the group. So I'd like to tr- uh, track uh, throughout these podcasts. I'd like every week um, to, uh, or, or every episode rather, I'd like us to talk about uh, our favorite line of the episode. And I'm wondering if for me, it's always going to uh, belong to the same uh, character. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's this following exchange. Uh, the first person to speak is Lucas, uh, where he says, isn't it past your yes. bedtime? Followed by his sister Erica saying, "Isn't it time for you to die?" <laughs> Which was just remarkably great. Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy that apparently we're getting more of Erica this season because she was just a fantastic heel to all the things these dorks were doing. Yes, and I really hope we just get more discourse between the two of them because also her humiliating him. Her, she basically pulls down his pants every time he's <laughs> around his girlfriend, and I love it. I guess I, for a line of the episode, I would personally go with Steve's attempted at a pickup line at uh, at Scoops Ahoy, would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? Yeah, I mean, like he's like a, a budding Guy Fieri, uh, yeah. like inviting people to Flavortown. Just wait until he wears those sunglasses on the back of his head. Oh my God. I mean, anything. The headgear is just not doing uh, Steve Harrington any favors. Steve Harrington in Scoops Ahoy ice cream gear is high on the list of worst looks ever. Yeah. It's a really terrible look. I mean, you'd also have to imagine in terms of like Scoops Ahoy branding, because I guess this is back in the day. I really don't you feel like in terms of fast foods and franchises nowadays that the uniform is sort of like on its way out. Maybe we don't really do because like I don't remember. I mean, I, I was a, again, I was a baby at this. Well, point. I worked at Outback Steakhouse for like six months and I remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't want to tell anybody your last name because you didn't want them to make Bloom and Onion jokes. And as soon as I did, they did. So yes. Theory confirmed. Thank yes. you very much. But I remember I was actually there on the precipice where for a while I wore those like I'm not sure if you remember it was like uh, canvas like shirts that were rolled up and you put pins on them and they were blue and yellow and red and they transitioned into like a black button down and so I wonder if that's a representation of just I think we've transitioned away from like when's the last time you've gone to a restaurant and you've seen someone dressed up you know yeah it's been a minute yeah so like I don't think we're putting people in sailor suits anymore and poor Steve is stuck in, stuck in an era or that has to be a thing yeah it's just i i feel really bad for joe keery yes. uh who who looks like he's like 12 and doesn't look like a like a like a true adult in his scoops of white uniform but I think that represents his arrested development here where it does sure. it does get revealed that you know he was worried about applying to colleges at the beginning of last season he was gonna go to purdue and i think without nancy uh, so he says i think without nancy's assistance i think he unfortunately failed on that and his dad to sort of teach him a life lesson of, well, if you didn't go to college, you're working here. Uh, now he is stuck in the sailor suit at, at, at Scoops Ahoy. Yeah, but who is laughing now? Because even though Steve Harrington is stuck in his raggedy Andy costume at Scoops Ahoy, at least he's not in the newsroom with Nancy and Jonathan, who have easily the worst storyline of the season so far. And now we were wondering, how is Jake Busey going to get involved? And it's just going to be him, I think, mocking Nancy Byers for the entirety of the season. Yeah, so another one of Mike's preseason predictions was Jake Busey was going to be uh, like really on the path of some sort of conspiracy and was going to be like really doing some great investigative work. I don't know about that. I mean, he looks like he is a newsman, but he looks like he's also an a-hole who is uh, who is really concerned about the contents of his burger. What was it that was missing from his burger? No mustard. mustard. Yeah. And he like handed the burger back while everyone else was eating. It's like, just eat your burger, man. The really demeaning nickname of Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. I also will give a shout out uh, to he wasn't given a character name beforehand, but uh, the editor of the uh, the journal, I believe is what it's called. The Hawkins Journal is played by Michael Park. 
who's a big Broadway actor. He played the original father in Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, how about that? So it's a lot of fun to see those Broadway actors make their way from uh, stage to screen. But yeah, he's the very, you know, beleaguered. We got to have a story by end of day today. And Nancy is definitely in what we've seen a few times. You know, I think uh, there are some tried and true tropes that make their way through the boards of Stranger Things. I think now we've gotten to the storyline of Here's a girl in the newsroom and nobody's listening to her yeah, headlines. I don't know. Do we need to have a Nancy and Jonathan storyline? Couldn't these characters just be off at like, you know, like summer sessions before college or something mm-hmm. like that? Like just because they're on the show doesn't mean like you have to have them on the show. Like, I don't know. Who knows where it's going? But I was just, I was like falling asleep in the newsroom. It was just it just did not feel like anything to me. Well, it's a good question, because last season they were still intrinsically involved because they were investigating the Barb stuff. So right. it's still connected to the upside down. That's all resolved. They're together. To your point, it's really wide open spaces for them. What's the headline for them? We're still not entirely sure. We're still not entirely sure. Um, some things that we saw in this episode in terms of uh, in terms of like the, the pop culture side of things. Great music. Lots of lots of 80s hits. Uh, Corey Hart never surrenders. The mm-hmm. first uh, is the first real call out of the episode. Got some Patsy Cline in here as a lost fan always uh, happy to hear patsy klein uh what else did we have uh, uh died in your arms cutting crew yeah. that was that was nice uh, to listen to and we're making out to can't fight this feeling yeah can't fight this feeling anymore wagon uh so there's a a lot a lot to listen to i didn't catch the song that billy was listening to as he crashed his car uh but it was it's probably called uh watch out you're gonna hit something spooky. watch out there's a there's a there's a demogorgon monster thing that you are now about to be on a collision course with uh magnum pi uh is what hopper is watching at Which, home given what we saw in the trailer it makes a lot of sense as to what he decides to don what are you thinking about the hopper stash by the way can we do a little bit of a hair cast His, yeah i think that the mustache is looking good i like the mustache look for him i don't know that i love um like the like the buttoned up t-shirt underneath the mm. police uniform look yeah. i feel like you want to go with like a crew neck underneath the uh the, the police uniform I, that mustache is so damn bristly. It's a big stash. As somebody who can't even uh, like think about growing something that 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 fierce, um, what, it's very what, significant. What about another piece of hair here? What do you think about Eleven's new? It seems like her new permanent look now that she's integrated into society. It looks like we're going for the like the near shoulder length curls. Yeah, it's, it's good on Millie Bobby Brown. It's funny because it's like it's like the reverse uh, Ripley thing, where in yeah. the original Alien movies, you know, she's got long hair, then shorter hair, then she goes bald. Uh, and like that's what we've done in reverse for Stranger Things uh, with through these three seasons so far. Um, I don't think that there's much inspiration to to mine from Alien Resurrection for her Stranger Things four hair. Uh, but who knows? Uh, surprise me, Tougher Brothers. It's fine. I, I I just always think of Stranger. I always think of uh, Eleven with with the shaved head. Yeah, and so it's always very strange for me to see Millie Bobby Brown without the shaved head for some reason. Yeah, though I think MBB is probably pretty happy. That just- I'm sure she's thrilled and I'm thrilled for her because I'm sure that she's very happy about that. Um, but it's just, that's the look and it's just, it, I don't think of 11 any other way than how I thought of her in the, in the first season with the, with the shaved head. Yeah. And not making out with people. Uh, Day of the Dead, as we've mentioned, is playing, uh, this is a George Romero zombie movie. It is not the zombie movie that takes place in the mall that is dawn of the dead which spawned oh. the dawn of the dead remake by uh, Zack snyder with ving rames is in that movie among other people who are in that film uh it's not <laughs> night of the living dead which is the original in the romero series day of the dead 
is is lesser known, but it, it's a it's a wild movie. It takes place in an underground bunker. Okay, uh, it's a, a very like uh, it's like a science community, I believe, that's hmm. like trying to work on uh, the the zombie apocalypse. I, I haven't seen it in forever, so I'm since 1985. Yeah, no, I've seen it more recently than that. I wasn't uh, I wasn't seeing that as a, as a three month old. Uh, though I mean I did see I saw I saw I saw a lot of these movies way younger than I should have. Uh, Day of the Dead is I believe Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead's favorite uh, zombie movie, oh, okay. uh, which is a surprise because he's never really pulled any of the Day of the Dead stuff into the Walking Dead franchise. I would like to see him do that, especially as Walking Dead has franchised out and started doing these like spinoff shows that really feel like they've got very little well, in the way of utility of the walking dead i don't know like put people in a bunker i, I don't know like do it like a science story i think would be cool like they, they flirted with that with the cdc thing in right, the first season then, of walking and dead and they just literally blew it up and then they're like ah we don't really want to do that but i think it would have been it would have been fun to at least come up with another show that would be set like that but i don't know i'm wondering you know that that show uh that movie rather day of the dead that's not just selected randomly uh so like right. what is there to divine from the fact that they were watching day of the dead um, you know, no body swapping that I can that I can think of. Um, but Unless I bo- mind flare with Billy. Well, I mean, so, with Bitly. Well, certainly like the like the the bunker and the science community thing could be something because we're seeing this with the Russians. And there is like this, you know, sequence towards the end of the episode. That's like what's going on in this like strange location. Uh, so that could be one thing. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is I'm blanking on the character. I believe that it that that this that this zombie specifically I'll have to start looking up as I'm as I'm typing this. There's a there's a zombie in Day of the Dead that becomes uh that becomes like sentient. Uh that becomes like uh it's like like vengeful is like has a little bit of intelligence. If I'm not oh, so, so sort of like Jaws three, right? When it like yeah. that, that's the shark that like gains a sense of revenge. Yeah, I think I think that that's right. Uh yeah, Bub. Bub is uh is the name of the of the zombie if I'm if if I'm reading okay. that right. All right. Yeah. Uh so I don't know if that's a sign that we will see uh like a mind flayer take over the body of a dead person and if so could it be Bob? Mm. Right? Could we see Bob Newby Bob like becomes Bub. Bob becomes Bub. Especially cuz Bob got eaten by the demodogs, right? Yeah, and we didn't see his body after that. And so like did his body get consumed by the upside down? It will be mm. reproduced in some sort of horrible way that will uh, like devastate and destroy Joyce That'd by the end crazy. of the season. That'd be messed up. Yeah, leave Joyce alone. People. Leave Joyce alone. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else from this episode. It's just, it was a lot of setup. Yeah, and so I think it's understandable given the first episode of the season that you want to put the characters where they are in terms of their settings and simultaneously tease us a bit. And I feel like they accomplished that. Again, I would say there's no things that really excited me, but I feel like there's a lot set up that I'm really intrigued to see where it goes from here on out. Because you know, now that we're dealing with external strife from a possible return from the Mind Flayer, compounded with internal strife, where this party is starting to split a bit, feels like they're sort of uh, mentally coming apart. I think that's going to lead to a lot of, you know, drama and a lot of supernatural drama as well, which is exciting. I really love these characters, so I really want to see them interact more with each other. All right. So as we have said before, we are podcasting from the Upside Down, so we are not getting your feedback live as we are doing these podcasts. We would still love your feedback for our final season ending feedback show. So please send that in postshowrecaps.com slash feedback with a spoiler sensitive email subject line would be appreciated 
Uh, you can tweet at us at, as well. Uh, Post Show Recaps is our Twitter handle on Post Show Recaps. Uh, on Twitter, rather, uh, Mike is at a Mike Bloom type. I am at Round Howard. Uh, Mike, anything else from this episode, or are you ready to to hop into episode episode two? I'm ready to hop in this truck and let's uh, let's listen, let's watch and listen. Yes. what's going to happen? Chapter two: The Mall Rats coming next. That episode of the podcast is going to be available starting July fifth. The episode itself is, of course, available for you now on Netflix, as is the rest of season three of Stranger Things. Please subscribe to Post Show Recaps, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts, postshowrecaps.com slash Stranger Things for our Stranger Things feed. We've got a lot of other fun stuff happening on Post Show Recaps as well. We're right in the thick of Big Little Lies. We'll have some Fear of the Walking Dead check-ins coming your way soon as well. Speaking of zombies, uh, other than that, we'll be back very shortly with another episode of our Stranger Things podcast. Until then, boy. 